0: Welcome back in to another episode of Peter's Proffer. We're here in the courtroom of current events talking about another amendment in Florida, and this time it's amendment number six, which is the Victims' Rights Amendment. And we've got my dad in here today to explain it and discuss the pros and cons of the recently passed amendment. He's got some intimate knowledge about this that he'll explain and how he was involved in the process. But thanks for everybody for listening in. We had a lot of questions about all the amendments that were voted on. Uh, Most of them were passed. So we're going to try to get through most of them on the podcast. If anybody has any specific questions or knowledge about it that'd like to come on, we'd be happy to have you. Reach out to us on social media at Tragos Law, or send me an email, peter Tragos at greeklaw.com. Okay, so we're going to dig into Amendment 6 that all of Flor- Floridians, all of Florida, saw on their ballots in November, and it did get passed. So, Dad, why don't you first start out by talking how you got involved in Amendment 6 and its movement through the process?
1: Well, I'm a past chairman of the criminal law section, and I serve on the executive council. The criminal law section got wind that the Constitutional Revision Commission, which is what CRC stands for, was looking at an amendment that was going to uh, remove the current victim's rights in the Florida Constitution and add a much broader victim's rights, Something that really would hamstring the criminal uh, system, would make the court system just collapse because it just couldn't comply with it, and it would just totally destroy any kind of rights that were established in the United States Constitution for defendants and for the presumption of innocence. So they were concerned about that. The Can I give a little background now about the criminal law section? Sure. All right the, the criminal I mean to me, the criminal law section is established as prosecutors, criminal defense lawyers and judges, and educators, which are basically law professors. So we have a broad spectrum. We cover all the areas of criminal law. When an issue comes up that is of general application, the Florida Bar asks the criminal law section to get involved in it. Sometimes even the the Florida Supreme Court asks us to get involved in issues. When we heard about this issue, we knew that we had a Constitutional Revision Commission, CRC, coming up, The Constitutional Revision Commission is a constitutional body that is established in the Florida Constitution every 20 years. They're put together, mostly appointed by the governor, to amend the Constitution wherever they think amendments need to go. We are the only state in the entire country that has this process. So here it is, 20 years since the last one. We have our Constitutional Revision Commission appointed, and they're taking up this victim's rights because it currently is a pretty hot item throughout the country.
0: Okay, so when we talk about victims' rights, it really comes down to what the constitutional protections of the defendant or the accused are. So why don't you start out by talking a his- about a history of those protections and then build into how we got to the victims' rights section?
1: Well, when the, this all started, we have to go back to the founders of the Constitution. When this all started, they had to realize that, you know, the government is scary. The British government was scary, our government was scary, and individuals need to be protected from the power of the government. So the way you do that is you have, first of all, let's talk about the Fifth Amendment to the Constitution. You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to a fair trial. You have the right to due process. All these protections were written in there in order to protect us from the government because it's not a level playing field. You have to realize the government's got all the assets, all the money, all the power, and here you are an individual being prosecuted by them Now You could be a shoplifter, uh, homeless people. All these people are being prosecuted by the government, so they have to have rights. So we weighed the Constitution, and the U.S. Supreme Court's even said the Constitution is weighed in favor of the defendants or the persons accused of crimes. Otherwise, they wouldn't have any protections. You wouldn't have the presumption of innocence, for instance, if it wasn't weighed
0: that way. Okay, and how do victims' rights come into play with that?
1: Well, victims' rights are rights that... uh, obviously, victims have, and things like due process, notification of when things are going to happen. You have the right to know uh, who's being charged with the crime. You have a right to know when their hearings are. All of those things you have a right to as a victim. And realizing that prosecutors, especially in the state of Florida, state attorneys are elected officials. If they don't protect the rights of the victims as well as the defendants, then they're not going to get reelected. So it's a the political aspect of the fact that you want victims to be well-informed in the process and to have their rightful place in the process. And for 30 years, for 30 years in the Florida Constitution, there has been a victim's rights provision already in there.
0: Okay. And so this amendment would be amending that victim's rights section of the Constitution.
1: Well, actually, this amendment would do away with the Victims' Rights section and establish a whole new section. Uh, Give me a minute, and I'll I'll show you what's in there already and comparing that to pages and pages of what they're adding. But what's already in there states victims victims of crime— Or their lawful representatives, including the next of kin of homicide victims, are entitled to the right to be informed, to be present, to be heard when relevant, and at all crucial stages of the criminal proceedings, to the extent that these rights do not interfere with the constitutional rights of the accused. That's what's currently in the Constitution before this amendment passed.
0: Okay, and what did Marcy's Law have to do with the movement to change these victims' rights?
1: Well, if you start with Marcy's Law, it starts with a Marcy Nicholas. Marcy Nicholas was murdered in 1983. Her brother, Henry Nicholas, started a group called Marcy's Law for All, and it has raised over $30 million to lobby various states to establish laws that give victims more rights. And frankly, this really didn't apply to Florida. That's that's the funny thing. We've seen the Kelsey Grammer Um, commercials on television
0: where he said his sister was brutally raped and murdered. And, you know, if he didn't get to uh, participate in her parole stuff. Right. He was talking generally across the country, not about Florida
1: because Florida was one of the few states that had a victim's rights amendment already in their constitution. Most of the stuff he was saying didn't apply to Florida, yet it had that emotional impact and made people think that Florida was like every other state, but it wasn't. It was much better, and our victim involvement in the criminal process is much more in Florida than it is in most other states.
0: Okay, so uh, what was the original proposal that they wanted to put in to change or replace what Florida currently had for victims' rights? Well, it was called
1: Proposition 96, and it was in, again, the Constitutional Revision Commission wrote it up, and they had hearings on it. And those hearings occurred throughout the state.
0: Hearings in front of who?
1: In front of the commission. The commission is made up of 20, excuse me, 37 individuals.
0: And that's what you're talking about, the prosecutors, the law professors,
1: criminal No, no, that's lawyers? the criminal law section. Okay, what's that's the Constitutional revision commission? commission? The commission is the group that's, that is appointed mostly by the governor to amend the constitution. That's the group that's uh, Are mentioned. Are they lawyers? No, okay. some are lawyers, some are not. They're politicians. Okay. We had legislators, we had lawyers, we had the average citizen on there. People that the governor appointed to put in a broad spectrum of what would be uh, what we'd be entitled to in order to cover the whole state and okay. the problems of the state. I mean, you got to realize they they talked about people know this greyhound racing, all sorts of things were uh, in those amendments that people right. voted on just recently. Well, this was '96. There were like hundreds of propositions, Uh, but they whittled them down and they created 96. 96 morphed into eventually Amendment 6 that we saw on the ballot. But when 96 was originally written, it had some very, very dangerous provisions in it. And the criminal law section asked me to speak before the Constitutional Revision Commission. So I went, they met in Tampa at the University of South Florida and they met in a very large auditorium. There must have been a 1,000 people there, and you signed little slips saying you want to speak, and you're only given a couple minutes. So I spoke for the section. The section, in a vote of 29 to 3, voted to oppose... When you say this section, you mean the criminal, criminal law, law section,
0: section, which includes judges, prosecutors, criminal defense lawyers, and professors. Right. Okay. And so they pretty, all agreed.
1: There's a pretty good balance. The vote was 29 to 3
0: to oppose Amendment 6. So the actual people that work in this field of criminal law, on both sides of the fence, voted against the proposition.
1: Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. There was pretty actually pretty wide opposition to it. But, it, but again, when we're talking politics. It, it sounds real nice, so, of course, people voted for it. And it you know, passed significantly,
0: right. easily passed.
1: Oh, easily, even though the Miami Herald, the Tampa Tampa Tribune, I mean, Tampa Times, excuse me, <laughs>
0: The St. Tampa Pete Bay Time. Times, okay. the
1: Tampa Bay Times, they've changed their names. The Tampa Bay Times, Miami Herald, Orlando Sentinel, they all wrote editorials against this amendment, but it
0: still passed. And we had lots of people asking us about it. Oh, sure, but it still passed. Even the ACLU opposed it. And again, we're going. I don't want to get too far off track, but we are not against victims' rights. We right. represent victims, so we want their rights. We rep- You represent criminal defendants. We represent victims also in car accidents, slip and falls, and even some crimes like drunk driving accidents. We represent victims. We want them to have rights. It was just the way these rights were put into place that are going to slow down the system. Even the prosecutors didn't want these. So it's not that any of these lawyers or professors or prosecutors or judges are against victims. They're actually for victims, but they want the process to actually work for the victims. Now it's going to become more difficult, even for the victims. It's going to go even slower now. All right. It's going to go slower. And
1: the, the political process of this will tell you how it works. When they first wrote it, they had a provision in there that victims could refuse to be interviewed by anybody. They couldn't, have, couldn't be deposed. Defense lawyers couldn't subpoena them for deposition. But the way it was worded, prosecutors couldn't subpoena them either. So they could refuse to talk to prosecutors. Well, prosecutors got all up in arms about it and the Constitutional Revision Commission realized they have to have prosecutors on board or this thing really is never going to go anywhere. Well, and
0: even even in that case, if a prosecutor can't talk to them or interview the victim, how are they supposed to determine whether or not they can even charge the crime? How are they going to feel confident that they can go forward on the case? So again, that, that could hurt the victim's case, because if they don't talk to the prosecutor then the prosecutor could not decide not to charge the case. Right.
1: You could have you could have a trial right in the middle of trial, the prosecutor subpoenas a victim to testify the victim decides they don't want to show up.
0: Right. It would throw <laughs> off the whole system, basically. Right. And then the defendant probably wouldn't get convicted in that case and whatever and it could throw off the whole system right okay so what that, else so that was
1: first change okay. so then they made it only defense lawyers couldn't talk to victims so victims could refuse to talk to defense lawyers defense investigators all that so it would be a totally one-sided totally so how does process. that affect
0: the confrontation clause in the constitution
1: well it means that and that's one of the problems too is the u.s constitution could be in conflict with this and it wouldn't mean that the we could have them testify at trial. That would satisfy the constitutional, Constitution Clause, the Confrontation Clause. But you couldn't talk to them before trial. So they the Confrontation refuse.
0: Clause, explain what the Confrontation Clause is for people that don't know.
1: That means that an, an accused has the right. A defendant, a criminal offender, right. somebody accused of a crime. Has the right to have the person accusing them face them and testify against them. So
0: basically, if, some, if you're saying somebody committed a crime, you do have to take the stand and say they did it. This is how they did the crime. Correct. Okay, that's the confrontation clause. And as criminal defendants, you want that if you ever get accused of a crime, that the person accusing you does have to take the stand and actually go through the process to prove that you did it as opposed to just say it and then never have to do anything. Right. Okay, so go ahead. So we're just talking depositions, then not subpoena for trial. Right. But a
1: defendant could subpoena them for trial and they not show up, and the Constitution would protect them. Okay, so you have a situation where the the presumption of innocence doesn't mean anything anymore, because you can be accused, you can be arrested, all that stuff, and the victim, the witness against you, would never have to appear. That's that's one problem. Problem number two is the definition of victim. Even currently, right now, as it passed, victims, victims include corporations. So Walmart, all those people that, you know, shoplifting a lot, they would never have to show up for anything. So it protects these huge multi-billion dollar corporations and not just the individual victims because they would be victims to a financial crime. So it's a very broad definition. Well, thank, you know, thank God, I guess they did take out the part about no depositions. So defense lawyers can still depose victims of crime. So that was taken out. The What was left in there, and they, they did change another one, where if, if the prosecutor demanded a speedy trial, and in there the victim's entitled to a speedy trial, the trial had to occur within 15 days of a hearing. So you'd have two weeks to, to prepare for trial if you were the accused. That has been changed, but now it's 60 days. So you still got a window there where they could demand a trial and force you to go to trial within 60 days whether you're prepared or not. There, there is an out where a judge could continue the case, but the judge has to have written reasons and an order to continue a case. So now we've got this situation where the courts are going to be backlogged and overloaded with all these speedy trial situations. The next is, there's a situation in there on appeals. Two years is a maximum that you can have an appeal. So if an appeal is filed,
0: it says... Okay, so to break it down, after your case is over, you only have two years to appeal that case. No.
1: No. After the case is over, once you have an appeal, that appeal has to be decided within two years. In other words, you can file your notice of appeal. You can have your briefs. And what if it's not? I don't know what the remedy is in there, but it says yeah. in there, you have to be, it has so to be So that's going to be on the judges home. then. Right. In two years. On death penalty cases, you file an appeal, that appeal, your appeals have to be done within five years. Now, keep in mind. 27 people on death row in Florida have been exonerated five, after five years after five. Yeah. Because of the DNA evidence, how because the science. 27. Wow. So 27 innocent people were on death row. If they had that limitation, a lot of those would still be on death row, even though they were
0: innocent. Wow. So these limitations are going to have a severe, but how impact. does that affect the judicial uh, input or the judicial action? Cause that's what takes appeals so long sometimes is, if you file an appeal within two years, let's say you file an appeal six months later, if it doesn't get decided and finality didn't, doesn't come to it within two years, then what happens? That means you're,
1: I, th- I think you're dead in the water under the
0: Constitution. It uh, doesn't make any sense. But, no, okay. it, it doesn't. And, and think about the innocent people that are in prison. And did that actually make it into the— Yes, okay. that did. That did. Okay, so let's, let's transition kind of to what actually made it in— to Amendment Six, so we started with the speedy trial. You get sixty days after a hearing, which that can be kind of confusing because the hearing can be, you know, five days. The so yeah, hearing what, has to be within five. So days. So you demand it, then five within five days of that, then sixty days of that hearing. So really, sixty-five days from when they uh, demand speedy trial. Correct. Okay. Um, uh, what What about you said there was no the no deposition part did not make it in. Did not what are the limitations in. as far as questioning a, a victim?
1: Well, again, these are common sense. I don't see why they had to be in a constitutional amendment, but these are the kind of words that are in this constitutional amendment, that there has to be due process to the victim. The victim has to be treated fairly fairly and with respect, free from intimidation, harassment, or abuse. They have a right to have their welfare considered in a bail hearing. They have freedom from unreasonable delay. These are all things that already happen. Yeah, especially
0: the wellness at a bail hearing the danger to the entire community, not just the witnesses, I mean, not just the victim, is taken into account in bail hearings. Yeah, this this is superfluous, basically. This wording is just flowers. It's exactly what we do out in in the uh, Civil Rules Committee. We try to cut out the extra language. They're basically creating all this extra language that doesn't actually add anything.
1: And and that's some of the fear that a lot of people have is, how is this going to be interpreted or used? Uh, Are we going to be in a situation where all the victim has to say they're being harassed without evidence? Uh, are we going to be in a situation where the victims now control the process, not the judges or not the prosecutors? That was one of the fears the prosecutors have is how much is this going to cost them if they have to do all these notifications and they have to make sure all of this input occurs and they have to track down victims they can't find? Uh,
0: well, I mean, it you know, it's kind of interesting because— you know, With what I do, personal injury, dealing with victims every day, I understand how that can be sometimes, and one of the hardest things explaining to clients that are victims is, this is how most of these cases go. I know because I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of these cases, prosecutors feel the same way. They want to explain to the victims, this, we've done lots of these cases. This is what usually happens when you're dealing with a victim. This is their only case. Hopefully most of the time they only have one. So they don't know what's supposed to happen in the process. So if they control a process that they don't know the procedure, that could create a lot of problems.
1: Right. And, and it's just, again, and they're going to point to, because this uh, constitutional amendment says they have the right to hire their own lawyer and have their own lawyer involved in the process. Well, that was always
0: the case. They already have that.
1: Yeah, they can, they can already hire a lawyer um, uh, so again, this was just such a waste of space, a waste of time. And there's a, and a difference.
0: So just for people listening, there's a difference between a victim now having a right to hire a lawyer and a defendant having a right to hire a lawyer because a defendant, whether or not they have money can have a lawyer appointed to them. A victim doesn't have that protection, right? Not yet. Right. But you know,
1: scary thought it's in the constitution. Now, does that mean that the they're going to start Florida Supreme Court may say, well, because they have the right to an attorney that if they can't afford one, that we're going to have to pay for one.
0: Okay, and who would that be? Because it's not going to be the public defender. It'd be a second public defender yeah. because the the, the victim's, right victim's to public or defender yeah. or something. Right. We already... And, you know, we, you have that. Right we already advocates. have victims' I know, rights advocates. Right, but they're not lawyers.
1: They're not lawyers, but we have a system already in place where the victims have their own. And the point office. of a victim
0: rights advocate is really because they know the process and they know how it goes. They come to court with the victim, they console right. the victim, they explain what's going on to the victim. That's the point of okay. the victim's rights advocate. Right.
1: There's a whole section of the courthouse devoted to the victim's right op- right. rights office. You know, when you depose a victim, they're allowed to have the victim's rights advocate there in the deposition room with them. So it's not a situation where Florida did not protect the rights of victims. That's why this is how this is going to be interpreted. And another thing, let's say this gets interpreted the wrong way or gets abused. The legislature can't do a law changing it now because it's in the Constitution. Right. If the legislature had passed laws. If it would have been a did, rule then, like right. a
0: rules committee. If, it, right. if we would have created the rule as the you know rules committee, then we could always change it.
1: Right. But now you can't. This, the, the Changing this is going to happen for 20 years. So if there's something wrong in here, something gets interpreted or it's worded badly and it costs the court system a zillion dollars and we can't afford to have judges and we can't afford to pay clerks, all that stuff, we can't afford to hire new assistant state attorneys to prosecute cases, if all that comes about, we can't change this for like 20 years because that's when the next CRC comes. And, and this is such an emotional issue that yeah, it was voted out of the Constitutional Revision Commission Thirty-four to three. Only three people voted against it. I, I could probably guess who they are because there were some criminal defense lawyers that were on the Constitutional Revision Commission.
0: What what got voted against thirty-four to three?
1: No, voted for. This it was passed out. This was passed out of the Constitutional Revision Commission, thirty-four to three. To only to only actually three.
0: make it an amendment. Right. And only three only people three. voted against it. Right. Voted
1: against it, right. Because it's hard to stand up and say we're against victims rights. Right. And understand amendment 6 was well beyond victims rights. Amendment 6 had two other key provisions that had nothing to do with victims That's rights. That's what was
0: so weird about all the amendments and always is when people would ask me about them, I would explain it like it was great but then there would be two other things in there like it was bad. That was that we disagreed with on the other amendments. So all of them were kind of couched together with other things. So what were the other two things in this well, besides victims' Well, first let's rights? talk
1: about this is against the normal rule that you can't put more than one topic in an amendment because, again, the Florida Constitution established these guys. Mm-hmm. Right, here's, here it is. Number one, judges' retirement age increased from 70 to 75. Most people wouldn't agree, w- would agree with that. I would agree with that <laughs> because I think, you know, 75, you're still not, you know, you're still doing okay at 75. Some people, so, yeah. So, so I think that that was a good one. The other part was the courts no longer had to defer to state agencies. This is important. The courts no longer had to defer to state agencies in the interpretation of the statutes or the rules. In other words, if you have the Environmental Protection Agency saying a statute says this, The courts used to say, we defer to the interpretation of the Environmental Protection Agency. They deal with this stuff every day. Well, now the courts don't defer. The courts are going to have to make their own decision about what the statute says or the rule says without deferring to the agency. That's going to change uh, a lot of the way uh, things, a lot of things that operate within agencies and within administrative agencies. People sometimes lose sight that that was
0: also passed in the Victims' Rights Amendment. Okay, so what do you think is going to be the outcome now that the amendment has passed?
1: Well, I think it's going to be chaos for a while until everybody starts interpreting it and deciding how they want to interpret it. Florida has individual judicial circuits. Uh, Here we're in the Sixth Circuit, which is Pinellas and Pasco. We're a multi-county circuit. Hillsborough County is the 13th Circuit. Uh, We have 64 circuits in the state. If those sixty four
0: and there's assuming, lots of things that there are sixty four
1: counties. I'm sixty four counties in the state.
0: Okay. In those circuits But and there's lots of circuit and counties or not county, but there's lots of circuit splits on right. on lots of different rules. That one circuit rules one way, right. another rules another way.
1: So how the Sixth Circuit is going to deal with it and how the thirteenth circuit is going to deal with it. Are two different things. We already have, like you said, phenomenal differences between the Sixth Circuit operation and the 13th Circuit operation, even though it's just across the bay in Tampa. Right. So I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how the Supreme Court is going to do rules. Um, You serve, I know, on the Civil Rules Committee. I, in the past, have served on the Criminal Rules Committee. I can't imagine how many rules we're going to have to write in order to comply with this constitutional amendment and try to make it uniform throughout the state.
0: Right. So I guess it's going to be something that we'll have to keep an eye out for. And it's amazing that so many people don't know anything about these amendments, that they vote on them and they pass with flying colors. And now we get to see kind of what the repercussions are into the future. So thanks for explaining all that to us. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with you guys next time.